Well, on Easter, we always know it's going to be a big crowd. There's going to be a lot of people here, and we're always like, don't screw it up, you know, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. And then I forgot to dismiss the kids. So, um, kids, you can make your way out with Miss Wanda if you'd like to right now. (laughs) Well, we started the service, and a lot of you are in here when we started it. And we did this thing that the church has done for like really thousands of years is there's this traditional Easter greeting that says, he is risen. And then everybody responds with, he is risen indeed. And when we say that, you know, it's kind of like we're in the room, it's Easter, it's all cool, it's good, you know, he's risen indeed, we say it. But the reality is what a lot of us feel in our guts when we really like sit at home at night wrestling with some things in dark times is a lot closer to this um, really good Mumford and Son lyric that you see up here on the screen. And basically it says, I don't even know if I believe, right? Like, we're like, he's risen, he's risen indeed. And inside we're like, I'm not even sure if I believe. And there's this part of us that does, right? We wanna believe it because it's hard, right? I mean, this is crazy. Like, when you think about it, that we all come into this room and I have to come up here and tell you this story about this guy that got nailed to this cross and died and then a couple days later he was alive. Like, that's kind of crazy, right? And when we just say it real point blank and we start to wrestle with the reality of it and the implications of it, like, it's really just kind of this odd thing. And a lot of us, we're really comfortable with it, like, metaphorically, right? Sort of like Jesus was this good teacher. He was this great guy. You know, if we live the way Jesus told us to live, like, it's a little better. I'm going to be a little happier. Like, it's all good. Get a little religion. But, like, come on, really? And one of the things that we see in our culture right now over and over and over and over again is you've probably heard the, the phrase that probably is going to really define our year when 2017's over. We're going to look back and there's big themes and there's words that kind of encapsulate a year. And one of the phrases that I think we're going to see at the end of 2017 is this word fake news, right? We hear it everywhere. We see it in the news, it's on the newspapers, everywhere you look, you know, there's this discussion about fake news, how do we name it, how do we call it what it is, how do we discern what's real, what's fake, who's telling the truth, who's got an agenda, what's the angle here, what's happening, and I think that if we were to kind of transplant this story into today, it would be like the ultimate fake news dilemma, right? Like, what's going on? Like, has that really happened? Do we believe that? But one of the weird things about fake news that makes fake news work is there's this kind of psychological term that we, that we have that's called confirmation bias. And essentially, what confirmation bias means is that when we hear something, the seed is planted in our head of that's how it is, and any information that comes in has to change my mind from that, no matter how absurd it is. And if you know anything about, like, people, it's really hard to change people's minds. And so no matter how absurd, no matter how crazy it is, like once that seed's planted, now all information has to disprove that rather than prove that. And so in PR world, you know, one of the things they always say is it doesn't really even matter if you have all the facts. Sometimes you just got to be the first to say it because whoever says it first sets the narrative, right? And everybody else then has to convince them that that was wrong. And so whoever speaks first gets a lot of power, gets a lot of authority. And so there's this idea as we wrestle with this, that there's absurd things in our world that like are obviously true, yet we just will hear this doubt. Someone's planted this seed of doubt in our head. And at certain times, we're just like, well, maybe, right? Like, look at this picture up here on the screen, right? Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, right? There's a lot of people who are like, well, I don't know. I mean, I've been in, like, a green screen room, and I can see what you can do. And, like, you know, it was real political at the time. And let me just tell you that, like, it probably happened, but there's, like, this sliver, right, that's, like, I don't even know what I believe. (laughs) 
Or then there's this other one up here, right? You see this guy, right? Lots and lots of people still wrestle with this, right? Is he dead? Is he alive? We don't know. Like, you can Google it, and you'll find some of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen. Like, just Google, is Elvis alive? And you will, like, spend an hour just laughing at, like, this, like, the reality of this, right? And so is it, is it this reality? Is it this thing where we're like, he's risen indeed? Or is it like, I'm not even sure what I believe, right? Like, what, what percentage? Where does that break down and lay out? Here's another one for some of you older folks. You may know this guy right here, right? Andy Kaufman. A lot of people say he's this comedian that's faked his death, and someday he's just going to show up and surprise us all in this big, grand act of humor that he's been, like, playing this joke for, like, 45 years, right? Like, Google him. Like, a lot of people think it. And then there's this one. And I put this one up here because a lot of people don't like um, know that um, whether or not he's alive or dead, and this is Tupac, and I just thought for some of you, it'd be so great for you to go home and say, what'd your preacher talk about? And you could say, Tupac. <laughs> because we don't know if he's dead or alive, right? And like, we think he's probably dead, but there's this sliver, right? I'm not even sure what I believe. There's this part that's real confident, but then there's this other part where we're like, if somebody's planted enough information to the contrary, we like to start, the piece of the pie gets a little bigger, and we're like, okay, well, I could buy that, right? Well, maybe, you know, I saw this, and did you hear about that, you know, TV show, award show, apparently he was, you know, and like, it just starts to get a little bigger. And so there's this thing we have to wrestle with, like, what's real, what's fake, and it seems obvious, but there's still this kind of like, maybe, I'm not even quite sure what I believe. And so we have these kind of pop culture things that get us in these dilemmas, right? We have these things that we, we wrestle with in our own lives. He said, she said, where, what do we believe and how do we live with that? And we always have to make this decision of what are we going to build our life on? Like which piece of it? The truth or the half truth? Because we can't live in indecision forever. And so today we're here and we celebrate this literal resurrection, right? For some of us, it's, you know, winter's over, hurrah. Some of us, we can wear seersucker, right? It's cool. Like, for some of us, there's, like, it's a good day to dress up, look good. But really, the reason we're here is this literal resurrection of Jesus. And so the question is, like, do you really believe this? And there's this slide up here on the screen. It's going to be a bunch of little pie charts, and you can kind of look at them here. And as we look at them, like, it's kind of funny. You know, like, what, what do I believe, right? With the green, he's risen indeed. The blue... I'm not sure what I believe. And for some of us, you know, it's 50-50, 60-40. Maybe it's 80-20, but I think just by the fact that you're here, even if grandma begged you and you just kind of are like appeasing her today, that's awesome, glad you're here. And you, but like you're here, so like maybe you just even have this like 1%. Where it's like, I, I don't know what I believe. I'll say he's in risen indeed because I'm here. And there's just this, this sliver. And what we're going to see is we have to pick which piece of our life we're going to build it on. Are we going to build our life on this, he is risen indeed, or are we going to build our life on this, I don't know what I believe? And we have to make this step of faith and this step of choice, and we get to say, like, is this fake news or is this real life? And is this something that's really foundational to who I am and what I do and every decision I make and the way I live and the way I eat and the way I breathe and my hope and my future rests on this? Because it all rests on this event. Because if you remove the resurrection, like Jesus is just like, cool guy but it all sits on top of this and a few months ago in January my wife had heart surgery and she was in the surgery and it took several hours and I was sitting in the waiting room and you know you just kind of think a lot when you're like sitting there waiting for somebody to come out of surgery and they're on like a bypass machine and you know you're just everybody tells you it's going to be good but you just sit there and you just think and so to help pass the time I went downstairs and I was in the lobby and I got a cheeseburger and I always think it's really funny the, the like 
how unhealthy a food you can get in a hospital. But I'm down there, and I order this cheeseburger, kind of past the time, and I'm sitting there, and, and I'm thinking about, like, how, how human this act of surgery is on one hand, right? Like, at the, at the end of the day, like, it is a doctor taking a scalpel and, like, slicing the skin, and it is just this human event that happens. But, like, sitting on top of that event is, like, hospitals, is nurses, is, like, medical sales, is insurance companies, the dude who's cooking my burger in the lobby, those big guys, the guys that make those big, huge plastic cups that, like, you can only get at the hospital, right? Somebody's got to make those, and without decision, like, nobody gets to make those, right? Insurance companies, the parking deck at the insurance company, like, that guy doesn't get to build that if it's not without this, like, act, this human incision act. And it all rests on top of that. And for us as Christians, it's the same with this resurrection. Everything sits on top of that. And you pull that out and you get rid of that and there's nothing left. There's no reason to have the other stuff. There's no reason to be here this morning. And it all sits on top of this one action. And so this is such a big event. Obviously, the Bible's going to give a lot of real estate to it. And all four of the Gospels spend a lot of time looking at it and dealing with it. And today I want us to look at the Gospel of Luke. And what we're going to see as we look through um, Luke chapter 24 is over and over this, this kind of juxtaposition, this fake news idea, right, of like, he's risen indeed and I don't know what I believe. And we see it. Like, it's even embedded in the story. And like, what I love about Luke's version of it is he's not afraid to name that this is crazy. Like, he's not afraid to name that the people closest to Jesus were like, I, I don't even know what I believe. And Jesus acknowledges it in Luke's version. We're going to dig into it. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 right here. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And so they're taking these spices because they, they think Jesus is dead, right? It wasn't like, even though Jesus told them that he was going to be resurrected and all this, they didn't quite buy it. So it wasn't like the scene where you have like all the disciples up outside the tomb like 10, 9, 8, right? Like nobody's expecting this. And so they're prepared to go and take care of this dead body. And it says in verse 2, Then they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Then he quotes Jesus, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rose again. And then they remembered his words. And it's kind of like this, yeah, but moment, right? Like he's risen indeed, I'm not really sure what I believe. But he told them, and there's this kind of seed planted, and they live in it, and they're like, okay, it's a possibility, but Really? Then verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. And you see this right here at the beginning of verse 11? They didn't believe it. They didn't believe this woman. Because their words seemed like them to nonsense. Right? You got this confirmation bias. He's dead. 
kind of hard to change somebody's mind about that. And even though this is kind of antiquated, even though it's a couple thousand years ago, like science hasn't evolved quite as much, but like they, they were pretty clear, right? Like dead people die and are dead. And so they get it. And then Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And you got to love that, right? That he's like, I don't even know what I believe, but like I'm going to go find out and I'm going to search and I'm going to dig in because this piece of the pie, whatever it is, Peter was so desperate to get this right. Peter was so in search of this piece. Jesus was so desperate for this Messiah who was going to give him hope in a way that as absurd as it sounded, as crazy as it seemed, even if he only had that little 1% down in the corner, he was like, I'm taking off, let's go. And he pursues it. It says, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. He's curious. He saw it. He'd heard Jesus say it was going to happen, but yet there's still this part of him that just can't, like, name it and say he's risen indeed with 100% confidence. And there's this crazy part, you know, this whole fake news thing, right? If you go over to Matthew 28 in your Bible, um, what you see is really funny because there's this guards report that happens. Because obviously these folks knew that Jesus, if he was going to really like be the Messiah and he's going to take over the world and all this stuff, that his resurrection was the crucial point. And so they put all this extra security around the tomb and they had all these people and it was high responsibility to keep this place locked up tight. But yet Jesus still somehow gets out. And so the guards in this sort of fake news narrative right here in chapter 28, verse 11, it says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave these soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And listen, this is so great, right? Verse 15. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And that story still circulated to this very day, right? He's risen indeed, but I don't know exactly what I believe. And it's this paradox, and it's this struggle, and there's this battle, and you see the seeds planted thousands of years ago, right, that make us go one way or the other. Now we're going to skip ahead to verse 36. And it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Like crazy moment, right? They were startled. And frightened. And I think this is so bizarre and so funny, and it gives us such an insight into how human these people are, right? Thinking they saw a ghost, right? It's so funny that they're like, okay, I can believe in ghosts now. But even though, like, you hadn't said this and you've been saying this is coming and, like, you're here in the flesh talking to me, like, I'm still gonna go with ghost. And there's still this doubt, and there's still this, like, seed of, like, he's risen indeed, but gosh, I'm not even sure what I believe. And he says to them, why are you troubled? And Jesus names it right here. And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. And here they are, right? So, so you come in here this morning, you're like, he's risen indeed, like 75%. Like, here are these disciples, like, face-to-face with Jesus, not a ghost. And he's like, look, see Thomas. You can go to one of the other Gospels. Doubting Thomas, he's like, I have to see it to believe it. And he sees it, and we know him as Doubting Thomas, right? And it's yet, even after seeing it, after touching, after seeing this, they, they like, they're still like, eh, 
And so if you come in this morning with a little of that, like, it's okay, right? And then in like the craziest plot twist in the whole Bible, Jesus says, y'all got anything to eat? (laughs) (laughs) Then they gave him a piece of fish. He took it and ate in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. This seed has been planted long, long, long ago. And if you go back and look, you're going to see. And you can go back today and we can read this Old Testament and we see the seed that's planted, this story that's been unfolding over and over and over with absolute precision. He says, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then there's this verse 45 that's so tricky and it's just so interesting, right? It says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And it's like there's this piece of revelation. There's this piece of it that's almost like so crazy that God gives us grace to even believe it and understand it and base our life on it. And God's grace just is embedded in every piece and every corner of this story. And I want to tell you that like if you come in and you say he is risen indeed at like 40%, I'm still not sure what I believe at 60%. Jesus right here in this story says, dude, I get it. And there's this other story that we see in in the Gospels, and this guy comes up to Jesus, and he's wrestling with all the things that Jesus is saying, and he has this line that's so great, and it's like really like a mantra in my life, right? He says, I believe, Lord, help my own belief. And he says, I believe, and I got this piece of the pie where I'm like, he's risen indeed, but then there's this whole other part that's like, I'm not so sure what I believe. And you see, Jesus isn't scared of that. Jesus doesn't want you to have to hide that. Jesus doesn't want you to have to throw on this outfit and show up in this place and smile and be like, 100%, all in, right? You know, like, we get it. It's a crazy, crazy story. But we see God's grace in it over and over and over again. And you see, what happens is we get this decision we get to make, right? Do do we base our life on on the portion that we believe he is risen indeed? Or do we build our life on this other portion that says, I'm not so sure what I believe? You see, when we build our lives on this, I'm not so sure what I believe peace, what a lot of us end up living in is this game plan that I'd say is titled the I'm good enough plan. And we say, okay, like he's risen indeed, but I'm not so sure what I believe. And so I'm going to build my life on the I'm not so sure what I believe. And there's just going to be this little piece over here that's good and it's cool. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say like, there's a God, there's something after in this life, but I just think that you sort of get by by being good enough, right? I'm going to go to church, I'm going to give a little money, I'm going to try to raise my kids right, and then I'm at the end, I'm going to like really hope it's kind of like that high school Spanish teacher who graded on a really big curve because like nobody got it, and like Jesus is just going to at the end be like, you know, you didn't quite get it, but like look, nobody else did either, so like we're going to kind of bend this a little bit and like you're in, it's cool. And we're going to like live in that place, and we're going to wrestle with that, but what happens is when we do that, we start to compare ourselves to everybody, and we get into this comparison game of like, okay, I'm a little better than him, right? So if I get face-to-face with Jesus, and he starts grilling me with questions on this test, I'm going to be like, dude, you seen my mother-in-law? Like, come on, let me in, right? And so like, we just kind of wrestle with this, and we play this game, but what it happens to is then we become really bitter, judgmental people who are religiously exhausted, and we have no peace of God. And we have no hope for the future, and we have no understanding that the impossible is possible with God because our life is rooted on this foundation of, I'm not so sure what I believe, but we still kind of hold on to this, he's risen indeed. But the other side of that coin is this grace plan. 
where we come to this realization that we are more broken than we could ever admit and that God still loves us more than we could ever fathom. And when we sit in that and when we live in that and when we realize that, that we can't live a sinless life, but Jesus did, and he pays this moral debt that we can't pay, and being loved and being forgiven and being renewed is just this gift of God through Jesus on the cross. And we can just claim this like Romans 5, right? Well, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And we get to own that, and we get to live into that, and we put our hope and our future into that. And so when we believe that, when we believe in this resurrection, when we believe our hope is in Christ, what happens is we have hope for the future, and we have freedom from our past. And we get this hope for the future that says no matter what mistakes were made, no matter the brokenness, no matter the deception, no matter the horrible judgment, no matter how bad that weekend was, there's hope, and there's grace, and there's forgiveness. And you see, when we live in this I'm good enough camp, we try to hide those things, we try to disguise them, and we try to fake it out, and we just want to make it like everybody like, hey, I'm not really that bad, look, look, it's cool, I'm not really that bad, he's risen indeed, 4%, right? And we like throw that up, and we stick it out. But there's this tension that lives underneath that, and when we begin to realize that there's this grace that sets us free, despite of anything we've done, we can say that he is risen indeed. And when we build our life on that, we realize that there is a hope for a future, and there's a freedom from our past. Jesus says specifically, and I love it, he says, come to me, all you who, are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says, I'm going to give you rest. He says, you've just been living this like, you know, I'm good enough game for so long, and you've been putting your hope and building your house, and you've been building your life on this, I'm not so sure what I believe peace. And sort of looking at this, he's risen indeed peace from a distance. And so do you believe it? Is it fake news, right? And you look at this pie chart again. And as you see it, just kind of where do you sit on it? And as you sit on it, I want you to just kind of think about this story that Jesus tells in another part of his gospel in Matthew. And he talks about this wise guy and this wise man. He goes and he builds his house. And he says, where do you build it, right? He says, if you're wise, if you're smart, he says, you build it on the rock. And he says, but these foolish builders, they go and build it on the sand. And so as we talk about this resurrection, as we talk about he's risen indeed, I'm not so sure what I believe. And as we look through this story, we see that Jesus gets there's doubt. I got doubt, right? There's things that I still am like, man, that's crazy. But yet here's the decision we get to make, right? Like even if you live right over here, there's a lot of builders in here. And if you could build your house on a 1% slab of concrete or a 99% slab of sand, where are you building? You're just going to start building on that little piece because you know that whatever you do on the other side isn't going to last. And even though it's small, even though it's a little sliver, even if it's just 1%, he's risen indeed, and 99%, I'm not so sure what I believe. When we begin to take steps of faith and build our life on that solid foundation, we see God bless that. And we pray that prayer, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And as we start digging into the scriptures and we start abandoning our will and our desires and our hopes and our futures to all the things that God promises us through the scripture. And as we start to live our life and say, you know what, I'm going all in. It's only 1%, but I'm going all in on this 1%. And we see that God begins to, to give us a little grace. And that slab starts to get a little bigger. 
And it starts to get a little bigger and it starts to get a little bigger until we get to this point of sanctification where God begins to work in our life and grow this piece of faith. And he grows the way that we see the world and he grows this foundation that we live on so that we can be God's people and God's witnesses in this world. And so if you sit here this morning and you're like, he's risen indeed, 5%. Know that Jesus gets it. And Jesus still says, come on. He still says, come on, give me it. He says, give me your life. He says, give me that piece of it and just start building right there on that little sliver. Just start building your life on that piece. And when we do, I think we begin to experience this peace that passes all understanding. We begin to find hope in places where there wasn't hope. We begin to experience this sense of forgiveness deep within our heart in places for things that we never thought we could experience forgiveness for. And it's the grace of Jesus, it's the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ that sets us free. And so as we wrap up this morning, where do you sit on that chart? Because at the end of the day, the question Jesus doesn't ask us on the final exam is not were you good, not were you better than your neighbor, not did you give a little bit of cash every now and then, but it's this open book test, right? And it's Romans 10, 9. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So do you believe that? Lord, help our unbelief. But I pray that we would believe that, that we would build our life on that truth, that we would build our life on top of that foundation of this story of resurrection, this event of resurrection, of Christ coming and giving us life that we don't deserve. And so let's pray. God, we thank you. We come this morning celebrating. Some of us come celebrating 100%. Some of us come celebrating 50%. Some of us come celebrating just 1%. But God, whatever percent that is, I pray that we would all just give it to you this morning. And that we would quit trying to build our lives on our own plans, on our own foundations, and on our own ideas. But God, may we go to your word and seek your truth. And seek the hope that you give us and the hope that you promise us through your resurrection. And may we leave and may we go forth and may we do that boldly. And so God, for those of us in here this morning who doubt, for those of us in here this morning that wrestle with that, I pray that you just give us grace. As you did to your disciples in that moment, may you open our eyes to see. And may you give us the courage and the faith to pray prayers to you this morning that just say, God, let's do it. Like I've been playing on the sand, I've been building things on this sand and they just keep falling down. And even though this sliver's small, even though this kind of place that I'm asking you to come and build my life on isn't, isn't huge and this he has risen indeed, isn't the biggest percentage ever, God, I pray that you would come and you would join me on it. And may we may begin to build this life of peace, of hope and of future for all that you bring us and all that you give us, Jesus. So give us the courage to do that. Give us the confidence to do that. And give us the faith to do that, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.